Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Here's a question for you. Who is your GOAT? You know what I mean. The greatest quarterbacks of all time. Is it Tom Brady? Is it Peyton Manning? Is it Joe Montana? Is it John Elway? Or is it none of these that I've just mentioned? Well, find out who I think is the GOAT. Get my ebook, Why Your Goat Ain't Mine, for free right now on ColdSports.com. I said for free. Why Your Goat Ain't Mine, the five greatest quarterbacks in NFL history, on ColdSports.com. So what are you waiting for? Go get it! Filtered, uncompromising, hard-hitting, inspirational. Cold Sports presents Conversations. Welcome to Conversations. I am the host of Cold Sports and of this brand, Cole Johnson. And I'm so glad that you have come to join us. On this episode, we are going to interview someone spectacular. He is the blogger of the website, thefatherhoodfraternity.com. He also is the admin of a Facebook group called The Frat House, and he is a soon-to-be author. Ladies and gentlemen, I introduce to you right now, Mr. Brad Coleman. We'll also get into a little bit of Dallas sports as well. I hope you enjoy the ride, because this is our conversation. Brad, thank you so much for coming on the Conversations in Cold Sports with me. Hey, Cole. Thank you for having me. Uh, well, uh, I'm just honored. Just honored that you're here. Uh, as you know, you know this is a, a sports show, so I have to ask, of course, a, a few few sports questions just to see, just to test the knowledge <laughs> of yours and, uh-huh. and, 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 and the passion that you have uh, in, in, that, in that arena. Uh, you're from the Fort Worth area. If I'm not Cor- mistaken, right? Correct. Okay. Yes. So, Fort Worth, that equals Metroplex, that equals, mm, you might be a Rangers fan, might be a Mavericks fan, might be a Cowboys fan. Am I off base? Pretty much online with each of those, yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yep. Okay, so which of which of the sports do you follow most between basketball, baseball, and football? You you can't grow up in Texas without being a football fan first, really. That especially cool. especially you know I was when in the early '90s when the Cowboys were winning, it was right in my prime sports knowledge. You know, I I, I grew up playing baseball, so I'm a baseball purist. But uh, you just can't avoid the media attention of football, so you just naturally gravitate to football. 
Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. Well, I, I came from Houston, so yes, you're exactly right. <laughs> it, it is hard to be it's hard to be a guy for sure from Texas mm-hmm. and avoid actually following football. It's just difficult to do. <laughs> yes. Right, so. so you said you're a baseball purist. Alright, so what do you think about the, the Rangers in their how can I say it? Uh Success getting to the playoffs, but the failure of advancing in the playoffs. What What do you think? Heartbreak. Um, uh, you know, they they were bad for so long that um, when they made it to the playoffs, was it twenty ten and twenty eleven? It was an absolute thrill. Right. Um, it had, so it was really the first year again against. The Giants, everybody was just happy to be in the World Series. And then the second year felt like, okay, this, it's our turn now. Um, you know, again, against the Cardinals, but, um, you know, it was still, it was a, it was just so much fun and so much buzz around the Rangers that we'd never had that it was a, it was a joy. You know, never mind the fact that Nelson Cruz was playing a little shallow in right field, you know, for <laughs> not that I'm bitter or, haven't gotten over that or anything, but no, I don't. No, but, I don't sense bitterness at all here. <laughs> no, 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 not not at all. But you know what's interesting is a little bit of success tends to raise that bar. Now everybody expects them to be good every year, and it's like I just I just want to enjoy some baseball now. Yeah, yeah, and it's funny you say that. Uh, following the Astros, that's exactly what happened back in 2004, 2005, 2006. Uh, mm-hmm. They, you know, they were eh, for a long time. <laughs> and then 2004 comes, and they have their seven-game epic uh, NLCS series against the. Yeah, this is when the Astros were actually in the National League. Right. <laughs> they had their epic seven-game NLCS uh, series against the Cardinals, and they lost it. Then the following year, they actually beat the Cardinals, only to lose in the World Series to the, the White Sox in 2005. Mm-hmm. Ever since then, the the city was wanting the Astros to make the World Series every year, and they were grossly disappointed year after year after year. So I totally understand that. Mm-hmm. And and it's it's even worse with the Cowboys here because every year for the Cowboys, supposedly it's it's Super Bowl or bust, and you got expectations on on people that sometimes aren't reasonable. And you transitioned exactly to my next question. So of course, you're, you 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 sort of understand the Cowboys and what they're about and the expectations, especially of a fan in the city, because I've mm-hmm. so many outside of Dallas who are Cowboys fans and mm-hmm. the expectations they have of them. Uh, well, talk to me a little bit of uh, when you were younger and and you saw the success of the of, of the era of the three and the three championships in four years for them and. How has been in the twenty years since? As a fan and a fan that lives in Dallas, how, how, how has that? How did that feel then, and how does it feel leading up to now, and seeing how good the team is now? Um, they just went through so many years of just despair and mediocrity. I don't. It's almost like the high level expectations even began to subside. Uh, overall, you know, they're the Cowboys, so they're expected to be good. But you look at it on a year-to-year basis and think, uh, they just don't have the pieces in place right now. You know, now having said that, the last couple years, they've really 
started to build, you know, they started drafting better. They started drafting offensive linemen in the first round, and they're getting back to um, seeming to build a good team. Uh, I hope this past year with uh, uh, Zeke and Dak wasn't just an anomaly. I hope it's something that they can continue to build on for the next couple of years. But every year there's a very high expectation uh, I think just because of who they are and because of the uh, the high bar that they've set over 20-some-odd years now. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a follow-up to that one. Now, normally you have a lot of people who hate and push back against the Cowboys, not necessarily for the team, mm-hmm. but for the fan base. Yes. As a Cowboys fan... How does that feel when you see pushback from Cowboys haters? Um, from the inside perspective, you know, with the divisional rivals being uh, Philly and New York, it, <clears throat> I wonder if it's equal just from your from different perspectives. Um, but really, I have to put it in perspective by thinking of it's probably similar to the way people see the Yankees in baseball. To somebody that that's your team, it's just amazing to be part of it, and you don't understand the outside hate. The hate just seems to come because you've won, because you've been at the top and the pinnacle for so much, the Yankees being a far exception because of of their storied history. But um, I I totally get it. Um, it. It seems like they get more scrutiny. But to be fair, they probably deserve it because they do some pretty bonehead things sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I'm, I'm glad a Cowboys fan can say that. <laughs> now nah, I don't feel so bad. <laughs> every time, well, it's every time you try to defend somebody, and they come out and say something off the wall or ludicrous. You know, sometimes Jerry Jones might tend to do that when you just wish people would just stop talking. They keep digging themselves a deeper hole <laughs> it becomes difficult to defend after a while yeah yeah it is it, it is hard especially when you hear the, the head coach uh, i mean the owner of the team speak like that. Mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> well yeah. let me switch gears from the cowboys to the mavericks uh now uh, the on the course success is good mm-hmm. but seemingly the bigger story has always been mark cuban so how how is he in in the Metroplex in terms of uh, how he gives to the community and what he thinks of the community? I, I, what what is what is the Metroplex's opinion of Mark? Uh, I, you know, I I don't know that you ever hear anything negative about Mark within the community with regard to directly the team itself or outside the team. Um. I don't hear a lot of personal stuff. You know, he he does tend to get political sometimes whenever he feels it necessary. But uh, I think that's picked up more on a national level than a local level. Um, anytime you hear about his opinions on that sort of thing, it's 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 national media. We don't hear about it a lot locally. Uh, he just seems like a guy that's willing to give anything that's asked of him. Um as far as the team goes, it seems like he's always been willing to do whatever he had to do to build the team. Um, he's been, I think he's extremely loyal to Dirk. I hope that Dirk is able to retire here 
to be honest. And it seems like Mark has done everything that he can to try to make that possible and keep rebuilding a team year after year uh, around Dirk. So um, I never hear anything bad about Mark Cuban at all. Mm. Yeah, that, that, that's, that was the... That was that's the prevailing feeling that I've had because I've, I've visited Dallas a couple of times uh, mm-hmm. during during his ownership period, and you hear a lot of the neck. You hear a lot of I won't say negative, but you hear a lot of I guess you could say uh, disparaging things about Mark Cuban away from Dallas. But when you get into the city, I have not heard one unkind word about the guy. So it yeah. makes me think. He must be a quality in some way, shape, or form. And, of course, now I've become a fan of his seeing him on Shark Tank. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah. So that, and you touched on a relationship that I love, his relationship with Dirk. Huge Dirk mm-hmm. fan here. Huge Dirk fan. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that he, he wants to, you know, cultivate a maverick maverick lifer. I guess that's the best way I could put it. Mm-hmm. And, it, it, you know, and it makes me feel good about that. Uh, do you all in the community see him with his family and does he talk about his family in Dallas a lot? Not really. I mean, he's, he's a pretty private guy as far as that goes. And, um, I kind of tend to respect him for that. You know, um, he, for as in the media and about the media as he can be, whether it's with the Mavericks or, um, his shark tank relationship, uh, with you know CNBC, he's on there a lot because of Shark Shark Tank. He's a pretty private guy. Uh, just don't hear much about the family. He seems to prefer it that way. Yeah, yeah, and I, I can't fault him for that either, Ashley. Right, I really can't. I really can't. Now I've heard I've heard him talk a couple th- a couple things about his family, but you know a few nuggets here and there. Mm-hmm. And I respect him for that. I really do. I really do. Yeah. So let, let's talk about why you are here. Uh, it's great that we can talk sports and I can talk about that with you all day and night. <laughs> but <laughs> what captured my attention is that you, you have this, uh, this service. Uh, mm-hmm. I can go further, but I, you have this service called the frat house. So interesting name. Why the frat house? Uh, it, it started with um, the website is thefatherhoodfraternity.com. And I was trying to build that mental um, picture of guys and a brotherhood and accountability and kind of, you know, this is our group. This is uh, a place of trust for guys. And from there, it went. It developed into uh, the Facebook group. Um, the frat house is actually a Facebook group that I try to use to discuss similar topics for the blog, just to try to generate more interest and conversations on Facebook, which can be much more of a two-way platform, and it can be much more real-time conversations. So. The fatherhoodfraternity.com is the website and blog and the main resources for getting in touch with me. The Facebook group is called The Frat House as just kind of an extension of the Fatherhood Fraternity brand. Right. Yeah. And, and you led me into what I was wanting to say. Uh, the, the title hooked me, mm-hmm. but the purpose is what kept me there. And yeah. 
<laughs> and, and and I love I love the fact that here's a guy who is standing up for fathers and fatherhood, mm-hmm. and you know being in a world and being in a place where especially in sports where you see so many of these athletes say, well, I didn't have my father in the home. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a welcomed addition to see a father wanting to say, well, wait a minute, hold up. You know, we're here and I'm, I'm amongst them. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's really what I'm, my mission is largely about, um, dads being present for their kids being present in their own lives for their own health being present in the lives of their wives um and that that's really what i'm going for and, and the message that i'm trying to get out there um there, you know there's a story of i recently heard the story of uh jermaine o'neal who was i believe drafted by the pacers straight out of high school right um, and I believe he actually lives here in the Metroplex. Now he retired supposedly from the NBA early. He had probably one big max contract left in him, but he retired early because his sons were getting to the age that he felt he needed to be more available for them because he didn't have a father figure at home and his NBA career was keeping him away from his sons. And he kind of saw them starting to go down the route that he went down, not having a father figure. So I thought that is very admirable of him. And not only now has he turned his focus back on his sons, but he has a organization to help youth that are raised without a father. And I think that's just a, a wonderful way for him to um, turn his efforts back into the community. And I think we need to be spotlighting guys like that more often. 100% and yeah I'm, I loved I loved Jermaine when he played and I remember vaguely that he retired early for that reason and it, mm-hmm. you, you, you struck you, you struck the memories to re- rekindle in me mm-hmm. and yeah and I, I, I totally love him for that I love him for that yeah so I, I'm going in your website and I'm reading it and I see this this concept called the four F's mm-hmm. I was like, four F's okay well Explain what the four F's are and what they mean to you. So when I started sitting down to write and try to figure out what I wanted my message to be, I realized that several years ago, uh, this actually started back in college with um, Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Uh, Stephen Covey likes to talk about the roles that we have and how the different roles that we have in life affect our responsibilities, right? Um, And I just got to realizing that all of my roles, um, whether it be a Christian husband, at the time student, employee, now it's father, all these different roles that I play in life really fall into one of four categories, um, and it's faith, family, fitness, and finance. Um, and I noticed that when there, when I keep my priorities in that general order, the faith, family, fitness, finance, things seem to fall in line better for me. And I just feel like my time and, and my energy is more in balance with one another. And so it's, it's not only four buckets for me to 
classify how I do everything, but it's a hierarchy of my decision-making process. Wow. that <laughs> Yeah, that, that's a nugget, I, and I love that. I love that. And I want to briefly focus on one of those Fs. Mm-hmm. Uh, family, of course, is important. Fitness is important, too. And mm-hmm. finance, of course, is important. But the faith. And, mm-hmm. and, I, and, and I'm also am glad and intrigued that you said that when those four or how you listed in that order and you said faith was first, mm-hmm. how important to you is faith? It has to be the starting point for everything. Um, it's, it's counterintuitive for us as humans to put our faith first a lot of times because it's not always something that's immediately in front of us. Um, instead of dealing with, if we just played defense and kind of took the problems on as they happen, on a daily basis, your faith probably would not be one of the primary things. You got to worry about paying the bills, taking the kids, uh, taking care of your wife, helping out your wife. There's all these daily things, but when you set your priorities on God first, serving Him first, and looking for ways to um, be in His presence, it makes you see this opportunity to serve in other areas of your life um when you see when you foster um, an idea of humility that will then extend into all the other areas of your life and so it's when i did that when i initially did the stephen covey roles i think i called it spirituality then when i first read it but it's almost like you have a hierarchy of needs and the spirituality actually permeates all of the rest. It has to be a small portion of everything else that you do. Wow. Yeah. I, I, and for the record, I agree with that. I really do. Uh, yeah. I mean, without faith is impossible to please God and without faith is impossible really to execute all of the rest as well in the way that I think we were created to execute all of them. Right. And so yeah. I found that to be, like I said, that was one of the, the the most intriguing parts about your platform that I loved. And I said, yeah, I got to have him. Because I, I really want to talk further about that with him. It's, you know, it's, it's really, it's about perspective. Um, I think when you, when you have a, a focus on your faith and it's, it's more of an eternal thought process, it's just, easier to be able to deal with the here and now issues as they come along. You, you realize that, okay, I've got to face this, but in the bigger picture, is this really as big of a deal as I am making it out to be now? Will this matter a year, five years, ten years from now? Wow. Ooh. Yeah, that uh, it, it's just, it's just, it's a really good to actually think about it in those, on, on those terms, in those ways. It, it really is. So, in your blog, what are the topics that you write about? Obviously, faith is one of them. Uh, mm-hmm. If someone were to see your blog, what, what would they read? Um, it's, it helps that I'm part of. The group that I'm writing to, so I, I tend to 
write about concepts that are on my mind and my concerns, but I don't want it to be from my perspective. It's more, these are the things that we're all going through. And I do it from that very, for that very reason that we're all going through these struggles together. And especially in the suburban type area that I live, it's just really ironic that all the houses are so close together. We see our neighbors some, but we don't really communicate with them as much as we should. But then I would be real interested to know that in this subdivision of 800 houses, when you have the same general family structure, is 90% of us all going through the same things, but we're not talking about it? So what can we do to kind of create areas where we can discuss this sort of thing? And so I'm trying to just throw that out there to create this brotherhood type feel. Um, you know, there's somebody going through the same things that you are, the same concerns that you are. What can we do to be accountable to one another? Um, what can we do to get past just the daily grind and be able to have a bigger vision of what we want our lives to be? Um, what principles do you believe in that you say you believe in? Are you living up to those principles? Are you living up to your true self? And what do you want for your kids? Mm. Mm. Oh, man. And, and speaking of your children, uh, how old are your children? How many do you have? I have two boys that are seven and four. Okay. And have you noticed since you've taken on this mantle, uh, an improvement on the way you treat your sons now versus how you treated them before? Or do you see it as a continuation of what you've done so far? <laughs> I was going to say better implies that it's done. Um, <laughs> it's a process. <laughs> um, to a certain degree, yes. You know, I've, I've been reading up on... Um, what mindfulness means and a lot of people use it from a meditation standpoint eastern cultures and eastern philosophy but to me it's it, meditation is just more about i'm sorry mindfulness is more about just being present in the moment um and that's one thing that i've gotten better about especially with with two little boys when you're tired in the evening and they're wrestling or jumping on you and whatnot and you're thinking about work stuff or more than likely i'm thinking about what needs to be done tomorrow who's dropping kids off what time we picking up what do we have going on and you're just missing those little opportunities to be in the moment with them and i think that's the greatest benefit that it's it's had to me um instead of thinking about what else do i need to be doing or what's my next appointment allowing yourself to take the time to just enjoy the moment because uh, obviously they're enjoying it and you're building memories for them. So um, you have to really cherish that and make sure that you're present at that time for them. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with that. And considering just with my own personal journey with my father, I could see, I could see the wheels turn in terms of, okay, I got to do all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. ahead of time but i know i had to be in the moment and one of the things i really admire about my father is that he was always in the moment with me and, mm -hmm. he, and even now and i mean i'm a grown man now and he still is in the moment with me now and 
it is so amazing how he just had this innate ability to do exactly what you just said to actually say hey I gotta create memories for this this particular bundle that I'm in charge with being a caretaker of right it's important to me to pour life and love into this and you know in his case son in your case sons Mm-hmm. It's it's important for me to pour into my sons so that when they grow older, they can do the same to their sons and daughters when they have their turn, and they can think back and say, "Man, I really had a good time with this wonderful person who actually is who I call and proud to call my father." Yeah, absolutely, and and a lot of that is that reflection because I remember, you know, my dad coached us in baseball. Uh, from the time I was five years old all the way growing up, he was always involved in everything. Um, and he would actually, a lot of times he would be driving from work and come straight to the game and have to change into his uniform to be able to coach for the game. You know, this isn't just him trying to be there for my game. This is him coaching. And I, I want to be that leader for my kids as well. Oh yeah, and and with this platform, I think you are well on your way to doing just that. Thank you. You are. You are. Uh, I have a really peculiar question to ask you. <laughs> now we're talking about fatherhood and 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 how important it is. How important is your wife to being a good father? <clears throat> um, extremely important. Um we have to put up a united front as a team. Um, we have to make sure one of the most difficult things is from a, a discipline standpoint, making sure that we're not undermining each other. You know, that um, there's times that uh, she, she'll kind of take more of an enforcement role on something and I'll, back off and I just have to make sure that I support her uh, kids learn to um, play parents against one another I think that's something that everybody goes through I think oh, yeah. they start out innocent enough they don't mean to do it but they ask dad and I'll say yeah sure you can do that when mom had already told them no you know and then you got to kind of have that discussion of well look if she tells you no you don't come ask me that's just part of the process of, of, te- of teaching and training your kids I think but it's not just how we handle the kids. I mean, she's extremely supportive of me as a man, um, as the leader of the house. I'm uh, more than willing to um, take lead when I need to. She's there to support me at the same time. Um, There's times when I back off and she takes more of the lead on things. And that's just the cohesiveness of that relationship is really imperative. Yes, I, I 100% agree with that. I really do. And and you don't hear that enough. You don't hear that, that you know, you always hear with fathers, well, yeah, the, the focus is toward the offspring. Mm-hmm. But you rarely ever hear, well, you know, the wife has a really big role in this too in order to be a good father as well. And it's great that you have that with your home. <clears throat> I love to hear that. I do. Well, and, you know... Um we were, it wasn't long ago we were studying in um, First Peter. And 
there's a whole section of First Peter where he's writing to these Christians and he talks about the husband and wife relationship and it, and it's talking about wives be submissive to your husbands. But we really take that out of context um, in today's world, I think. What we miss in that is, um, <clears throat> for one thing, he was speaking to a very specific relationship of a Christian uh, wife to a non-believing husband, but that's beside the fact. But <clears throat> the husbands have more of a responsibility than to respect and not take advantage of that relationship with their wife. Right. The, there's always more emphasis, more um, accountability put on in any situation than there is the person that's following because not only could they lead themselves off the rails, but anybody that's following they, them, they could take down the wrong path as well. Mm. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I, I laugh at, at, at that. I always poke fun at, at when people distort. Yeah, well, you know, men are the head of the household. And I always say to them who take advantage of that, I always say to them, okay, so if you were to be on the other end and someone was tyrannical toward you, would you like that person? Right. No. Well, then don't be that person to that, to that individual. You're supposed to lead right. with love. You're not supposed to leave with an iron fist. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, uh, the husband of the head of the household the same way the Christ is head of the church. Well, how did he head the church? He serves. He serves. It's not, like you said, it's not from a tyrannical perspective. That's not the idea at all. It's from a love perspective. No question. No question. All right. Now, before I wrap this up, I have to ask this of you. Uh, if you have to pinpoint the most important aspect to being a father, what would that aspect be? Ooh. The most important aspect of being a father. Well, so one of the things that I talk about is my, the qualities, your, your priorities, right? And when I sat down to write what my priorities and my core values are going to be and what I want to live by, what I realized was what I was writing was this is who I want my boys to be, who I want them to become. It, it's probably only fitting that I have two boys because everything that I do will then be doubled as far as what effect it has on them. And then going forward, what effect they have on the world as they become adults and, and lead their own lives. Right. So um, I find that in order to figure out how to, how to be self-disciplined myself and live to my own core values. It comes down a lot of times to what core values do I want to instill in them? Um, because the hardest part is realizing that you can tell them stuff all day long, but they're going to mimic your actions. I've seen, I've seen my seven year old raise his voice to someone. And I was like, and I wanted to kind of like, Hey, you don't talk to people like that. And I realized He's getting that from me, mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> you know, he, I could almost even see his inflection in the way he did it. Uh, I think it was actually to his younger brother. He, he, where'd he get that? 
he saw it from me. So that really hits home when you think about it like that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, it does. Wow. Sorry, I was getting flashbacks on how <laughs> I've heard the same <laughs> thing from my wife <laughs> dealing with different people. Yeah. Especially when she's around my parents. Like, oh great. <laughs> yeah. All right, so where can my VIPs find you? Uh, the Facebook group is just called The Frat House. Uh, go, You can find it on Facebook. You can find it on my profile. Um, send me a friend request. Uh, uh, then go to The Frat House Facebook page. Send an invite, and uh, I'll get you in the group. Uh, the website where all of my blog posts are is thefatherhoodfraternity.com. Um, hopefully I plan on growing that, um, uh, as, as everything starts to grow and we start to pick up momentum, um, everything is going to be linked back to the website, but for more timely information and stuff, that's all in the Facebook group. And you can go to, um, if you go to the website and sign up for the email list, I have a resource of the top 10 Facebook and websites that I think dads and men in general should be following for good resources on how to live better lives and be better men. So go sign up for that. And you'll also uh, sign up for that and you'll get the most recent blog updates also. Well, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. Mr. Brad Coleman. Uh, Brad, thank you so much. Thank Thank you, Cole. It's been a pleasure. That is Mr. Brad Coleman, blogger of thefatherhoodfraternity.com, the admin of The Frat House on Facebook, a future author, and most importantly, a Christian. Many thanks to Brad for his appearance. We're so glad that he came and gave us such great wisdom. Now, if you happen to like this episode or any episode that you hear of the Cold Sports brand, be it a regular show, a special, or an interview, why don't you come follow me on Facebook at Cole Sports, that's sports, with a Z. You can also come follow me on Twitter at Cole underscore sports. Again, that's sports with a Z. Make your presence felt and make your voice heard. Come join the Cole Sports VIP room. It's also on Facebook. Cole Sports, sports with a Z. To my Canadian friends, I got you. Sports with a Z. You can also come follow me on many social media platforms such as Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, iTunes, YouTube, Pinterest, and Instagram. Like, share, rate, review to your heart's content. More importantly, you can listen to this episode and any episode that you have heard on the Cold Sports brand on ColdSports.com. That's ColdSports.com. That's ColdSports with a Z dot com. Most importantly, I want you to do this one simple thing, please, and always enjoy the content. For the Intelligent Sportsman, I am Cole Johnson bringing you sports on another level, and you have heard a Cole Sports presentation of conversations. And as always, keep the conversation going. You've been listening to Cole Sports with Cole Johnson.